You can kick your fancy ales, you can drink them by the flagon, but the only food for the brave and true comes from the green dragon. Certainty of death, small chance of success. A few episodes ago, I mentioned that I wanted to do some maths segments to talk about basically how maths are working in our game. For those who know me know that I do teach mathematics at a secondary level, so I've done some tertiary mathematics, I've done a little bit, and I thought that maybe I could pass some knowledge on to people, or for the people who know it, maybe actually just get us to experiment with what we can do to help out. So my idea of this segment is that it will be an ongoing segment in which I build up basically an Excel spreadsheet that does all the calculations for you. So for those who don't want to do all the nitty-gritty calculations and who get bored by my explanations, we'll just be able to grab the spreadsheet off the Facebook page and then see what I've got so far. So the idea is this this is a living spreadsheet, so I'm going to build it as I go and add different things. So the topic for today is about winning fights. So I've started off with something pretty simple in terms of the mathematics behind it. So I've just done the chance of winning fights. What I've considered is the amount of dice rolled, so it should count for any number of dice rolled. I've included some with a negative modifier. So you've got a banner in combat, you've got a two-handed weapon in combat, there's a shade hanging around you. You can calculate the probabilities of that. And I've also included some dice for the rare circumstances when you get a negative two modifier. So this is where you get a combination of those things I've just mentioned. So usually it would be a banner near a shade because it's unlikely that you would do a two-handed weapon attack near a shade, but that's it's a possibility. You could choose to do that, and we can talk about the statistics from that as well, and, and you can look them up as well. So the main thing is, yeah, I haven't used... The main thing is that I haven't used might in this one. I will include that later on, but I thought that will add quite a bit to the topic, and I thought this should be enough at the moment. What you can do with this calculator is work out the unmodified dice, the neg ones, the neg twos, you can It can tell you what the chances are for an even fight, when someone has a higher fight, when there's an elven blade involved for the even fight, and you can sort of use, you can use banners in it, but that's basically you add an extra dice to your best type of dice, so if you've got an unmodified dice, add an extra die to it, and you'll get the statistics, I think it's right, I need to think on this a little bit and just check that if it's right on all situations, it might be once the mic comes in that it's it's a bit different, or some other things. So I'm, I've left it out for the moment, and I think I'm going to decide how I'm going to add that in. Um, it could be very simple, or it could be a little bit complex using some conditional probability a bit later on. So this doesn't use any conditional probability. Everything's independent. So all the dice rolls are all on their own. It doesn't matter how many you, you roll. They're all independent. They could all be the same number. They could all be different numbers. They don't actually influence each other at all. So that's useful to know. My method, essentially, I'll talk a little bit how I how I made this, and Hopefully you can follow along, and I'll try and be as clear as I can with it. But the main thing for for winning a fight, the way it's structured, is that both players roll a number of dice, and they choose the highest number. Basically, everything else gets discarded. So only the highest number they roll is relevant at all. Only the highest number. So it gives you, basically, at the end of the the dual roll, each player has, has got a number. That's what they've got. They've got a number. You compare that number. You go to whether you've got an even fight or a higher fight or whatever, and then that decides who wins the combat. So the actual structure is pretty simple because there's only 36 outcomes of that, essentially. So player one could roll a one, a two, a three, a four, a five, or a six as their highest number. Player two could roll a one, a two, a three, a four, a five, a six as their highest number. And you compare those numbers, 
and there is 36 different opportunities. So both players roll a six, one rolls a six and a five, a six and a four, six and a three, so on, so on, so on. Now, the main difference is adjusting the probability of that. If they both have only one dice, it's really simple. There's an even chance of rolling each number, so that becomes a really simple workout, and most people can do that in their head. But when you start rolling a number of dice, it becomes a little bit more difficult to work out what the chances are to roll a certain type of number, and then compare that on the chart. So I need to facilitate that in my spreadsheet. I'm going to use percentages throughout because that's just a simple way of comparing them. So I'm not really that interested in going 63.7241 and so on. I'll just say it's 63% or 62% or whatever. There's going to be some rounding in here. It's not going to be exactly on. If you want to look at the spreadsheet and get the exact numbers, go for it. But keep in mind, it's probability. It's only for expected outcomes. It doesn't actually tell us any guarantees, of course. So the main work that I've done here, I've made a little little box with all the, the six dice rolls for the player one can do, six dice rolls a player two can do, and then the box crisscrosses and generates numbers, and then we add certain boxes together. So basically, player one, if they've got even fight, player one's going to win whenever they're ahead of player two, player two's going to win whenever they're ahead of player one, and when they're even, so the six six outcomes are even, both roll a six, both roll a five, etc., there's half the time it's going to be rolled off. So that's a 50-50. So that's that's easy to work out and easy to put in the spreadsheet. The Elven Blade is just as easy. You just take the middle one. The person the Elven Blade gets a, a two-thirds chance of winning that instead of a one-third chance of winning that. High fight value is also easy. So if player one has a high fight and they roll a six and player two rolls a six, player one wins that. So you just basically choose different boxes that, that they're going to win with. So I've got that set up as a win percentage. And I've got it color graded, so basically you put in the outcomes and it will tell you which are the best opportunities. Basically, it's always better to have a higher fight, of course, and an Elven Blade's nice if you don't have that. Even fight's usually about middle ground, and then having a lower fight is not so good. But that's that's easy to, to go through there. The main work has gone in working out the probabilities of rolling a die. So I'm going to talk about that now and go through what I've done. And I always start this on the simple examples. So I've done I've done examples and I worked it out the the method for it using the two dice example. So when one player rolls two dice and then I tested it for three because I can picture that in my head. Once you get to four, uh, I, I picture a lot of like four three-dimensional shapes and two-dimensional shapes to help me work this out. So once you get to a four-dimensional shape, it becomes difficult to, to picture it in your head you have to use different methods for it and it's a bit messy so i prefer to have a rule set in stone by then so they can get the maths to do the work for me so consider rolling two dice i've got two dice i'm gonna roll two dice and choose my highest number i can imagine that i'll put the dice in terms of a grid there's 36 outcomes there in the grid i roll two dice if i roll six on any dice i will take that as number take that number of course so that gives me the whole top row and the whole column, and there's a bit of a crossover at the 6 and 6. So it means there's actually 11 times when that can happen out of the 36. So 11 times out of 36. Then you go one step in in your square, and you've got all the results of a 5. And you go one step in and the results of a 4, one step in the results of a 3, a 2, and so on. And the 1 becomes tiny. It's only the 1 out of the 36. So it sort of builds up, and it, the, the 6 is the most likely outcome. Now what this is, is the difference between the two squares. So the chance of rolling a 6 is 6 squared, subtract the, ne- the, the number below it, 5 squared. So 6 squared minus 5 squared gives you 11. 
36 minus 25, 11. The probability of rolling the 5 is 5 squared, so 25, minus the 4 squared, minus 16, gives you 9 times. And that goes down. So that's a way of working out straight away. So without the, the, mod, the minus 1 and the minus 2 dice, it's actually pretty simple. The formula overall is the number, and I've called this the, the pip number. So I call this P for, for just argument's sake. It's probably not the best letter to choose for probability, but so the, the pip number to the power of the number of dice you roll, so N. So P to N, P to the power of N, the pip number to the power of the number of dice roll, that just means the, the, the pip times the pip times the pip times the pip for whatever dice. You just times it by another one. Subtract one less than the pip value. So if, you, if you're looking for probably a six, you subtract five to the power of the number of dice you roll. So mathematically, that's just P, P to the N minus P minus one to the N. And then that's the, that's the amount of time that occurs. So in probability, then you do it out of, so divided by the possible outcomes. And the possible outcomes is six, because it's six-sided dice, to the power of the number of dice rolls, to the power of N again. So that's a simple formula, and that generates the, the percentages for each one of those. So I can plug that into my spreadsheet, for example, and put player one is rolling three dice, and player two is rolling one die. Player three has a 42% chance of rolling a six. Player one has a 16% chance of rolling a six. So straight away, you can see that player one is in a much better position than that. Conversely, player one has basically a half a percent chance of rolling a one, whereas player two has a 16%, percent, 16.6% chance of rolling a one. So there's quite a difference there. So that's, that's the three dice. What you'll notice is the biggest jump is from one to two. So from one to two, you go from 16.7 of rolling a six to 30, 31%. And then the next time you go up, you go to 42%. So you've got, your jumps get a bit smaller and smaller each time you add another die. So from turning that one die into two is absolutely vital. That's the, that's the biggest help you can do from terms of winning the fight. Now, later on, we'll talk about winning combats in another episode and, and killing models. But for the moment, let's just say that, that you want more dice, but ideally getting that turning that ones into two dice are the way to go, which is why I think models like the Hunter Orcs and Urukai Berserkers that have two attacks built in are fantastic because they have this really helpful probability jump already. Now, the difficulty comes into here trying to work out a solution for when you have modified dice. So some dice basically have modified values, and I had to think a little bit about how I'd work this out, and then I eventually solved it. So let's go from, once again, the two-dimensional example. So there's our number of dice is two. Let's have one die rolled being the normal die and one die being a one minus die. So we look at the probability of rolling a six. Now, one dice I'm rolling has a one in six chance of getting a six. The other one, because it's got a neg one modifier, has 0% chance of getting a 6. It cannot roll a 6 at all. So that one, you might as well ignore that die for the purposes of the 6s. And that's what I've done. I've actually, I've actually done that. For the 1 minus and the 2 minus dice, I've just ignored them for the purpose of rolling a 6. So the formula looks very similar for my 6s. So the 6s, it's just the, the number of unmodified dice that makes a difference. So the same formula as before, totally ignoring the number of 1 minus and 2 minus dice. So P to the N minus P minus 1 to the N over 60N. 
Then I had to go a little bit more complex to get to fives because it is possible to roll fives on the neg one die. And the different difficult part is that that happens when you actually roll a six. So you've got, you're no longer working in squares. You've changed it up a little bit. So you imagine your, your six by six grid again. The One of the, the rows, so the, the six column on one side, six row on one side, whatever you want to do, row, rows or column, doesn't matter. One of them is blocked out entirely for the sixes. So they're always sixes. If player, if the die roll that's unmodified gets a six, it's a six. That's that's what you're doing. Now we're looking at five. So if that unmodified die rolls five, it's going to be a five. So you color in that, that I'm going to say column. We'll, we'll stick with columns. So color in that column next and roll fives. That gives you six opportunities. And then you take the other die. When it rolls a six, that also gives you that opportunity. So when that die rolls a six and the other one rolls a six, it's going to be six. So ignore that one for the fives. We've already got the first one colored in, and then we add another four. So we've got a total of ten possibilities of getting a five with one modified dice of a neg one and one unmodified dice. So to do that, I've suddenly become made my little grid as a rectangle instead of a square. And it's increased the probability of that. So to do that mathematically, I've had to increase the number and basically make a rectangle. So I've made a rectangle with the original dice roll, so the unmodified dice. So I've done the pip to the to the power of the number of dice. And then I've multiplied that by the pip plus one. So this is where, because my sixes are now included as fives, I've had to put that the other way. So the pip that I'm working on is a five, but I need to include the six. So I've turned that into a six by doing pip plus one. So p plus one to the power of the number of modified dice, neg one dice. So I've just called that M, for for example. I, I've just done arbitrary letters when I've put out the formulas down there. But basically, I've multiplied those possibilities, and then I've subtracted the space next to them. So this is going to be one less than both of them. So it's going to be P minus 1 to the power of N times P to the power of M. Now, once again, sorry about the confusing mathematics here if we haven't followed that. But it basically what it means is it gets rid of the rectangles that are underneath it. So it gets rid of all the values of 4 or less out of my 5 calculation. And then I divide that by the number of opportunities, which is 6 to the power of the number of unmodified dice plus the number of modified dice. So 6 to the power of n plus m. And that works for 5. I've totally ignored the 2 minus dice for the moment because I can't possibly roll a 5. So break that up. And then my main formula that I've got which works for, for four downwards. It doesn't work for one, but I'll explain that in just a moment. It means that I've added another stage to this. So I've got a P to the power of N, so pip to the power of un, the unmodified dice times P plus one to the power of the neg one dice times P plus two to the power of the two minus dice. Subtract P minus one to the power of the unmodified dice times P to the power of M, which is the neg one, times P plus 1 to the power of, I've said O, to the power of the neg 2 dice, over 6 to the power of all the dice combined. And that formula works for all of them, except 1. It doesn't work for 1. The reason it doesn't work for 1 is because if your, your pip value is 1, and you don't have any unmodified dice, in the formula you're subtracting, you end up subtracting P minus 1, which is 0, to the power of 0, and that's an undefined number. We, we don't actually get a value for that one. And when you multiply by an undefined number, it basically makes Excel fall apart and its, it's head blows up. 
So it doesn't give you any values totally. So I basically pulled out the minus part for the, the one. So I changed the formula again, which was the simplest way for me to, to fix that up. There's probably other ways of doing it. There's probably some conditional stuff that I can do, but I don't want to deal with undefined things because all the stuff I'm doing is defined. It, it's it's solid. It's it's there. So I don't need to deal with that. So I've taken that out and it's worked for my calculations, which means I've got this useful spreadsheet that's got all the calculations in there. Okay, hopefully you've woken up now and I'm not going to talk about any more like in-depth maths. I'm going to go straight to the 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 percentages, which is what you want to hear. So I'm going to look at I've already talked about the biggest jumping from one to two dice. I'm going to talk about some of the situations that I found interesting that I want to consider. First of all, and I mentioned this last episode, I've been thinking about the Mirkwood Elves attack against the Hunter Orcs. So that's that's the classic matchup that happens a few times. So straight away, a single Mirkwood Elf has one die. We'll put in player one. Player two is the Hunter Orcs. Got two dice. P1, the player one has higher fight. So they're going to win 42% of the time. Player 2 is going to win 58% of the time. So the Hunter Rock's got a good advantage there. It's going to win most of the time. Now, if you go and add an extra Hunter Orc in, that increases the Mirkwood Elves' attacks by 1, so that goes to 2, and increases the Hunter Orc's attack by 2, so it goes to 4. Now the Elf's going to win 47% of the time. So the Elf's got a better chance of winning there, still not better than even. The Hunter Orc's got a 53% chance of winning. So the Hunter Orc's are still better to do that. To get that fight in the favor of the elf, you need to be near a banner. So the banner essentially gives you the equivalent of another die. So it gives you three dice to the Hunter Orcs four, and that kicks you up to a 60% chance of getting that. So that three is the magic number for that Mirkwood elf. If they were fighting, say, six, uh, three Hunter Orcs, so they're trapped by three Hunter Orcs, they've got a 53% chance of winning. So the odds are in their favor once they get to the three dice. Once they've got to the two dice, they've got a good chance but it's still in the favor of the Hunter Orcs. So I found that interesting for the scenario because in the back of my mind when I was playing with Mirkwood Elves, I always thought that once I got to the two attacks, I'm all good. But it turns out the three attacks is the magic number. So it shows you how important that Spearman from the, the Palace Guard or the Banner is. The Banners are so important. The next one I was thinking about was the Troll. So three attacks of a higher fight value. I don't know about you, but every time I've run a Troll, I've always been disappointed with how often it's lost fights. Like It feels like a lot of times it's losing fights. So, I've just had a look at this. Now, it's got a higher fight value than most things. So, I'm going to say it's got a straight three attacks, higher fight value. It's got an 83% chance of winning the fight. So, the person that's against got a 17% chance of winning. Now, what that means is that one in every six fights, on average, it's going to be failing. So, that actually starts to get a bit of a worry. Say you're doing something like barging. You might be end up fighting three fights a turn. And then, you're losing one of those every three turns, it starts to get a big number. Now, you don't often fight against a model of one attack. You're a big troll. You're a big model. There's either a banner around or a spearman. Let's put that up to two attacks against. So your troll's got three attacks. The other player with the lower fight's got two attacks. You're only winning on a 72% chance now. So you're winning just under three out of four fights. So you're failing quite a bit. Get three attacks in there. Once again, very possible. 65% chance. So 65 to 35 so under two-thirds of the time you're winning. So you're basically losing a third of your, your fights. That's that's a big number. So with the troll, ideally, I'll just go into to when it becomes against you. So I'll keep putting this number up. Four, it's still in your favor. Five, it's in your favor. Six, seven, it's in your favor. Eight is when it's suddenly not in your favor. So if you can manage to get eight dice against a troll with higher fight, 
you've suddenly got better odds of beating it than it does. Eight attacks is a lot, but you can do it if you trap it, throw lots of guys in, maybe a hero of a couple attacks, and then the trolls, 49%. It's not like it's going to do that. Now, the interesting thing as well with this is, as a troll, the chance of you rolling a six with the high fight value is 42% of the time. So it's never going to get worse than 42% chance of, of, of winning the fight. So even if we put 100 dice in the evil player, which is not possible... But even if we put that down, it's 42% chance of the troll winning the fight still. So the more dice you add doesn't actually increase your chance to win the fight that much. The troll can't kill a whole amount, so that, that's, that's got its own advantages, but you're probably better off putting your players and models somewhere else. But as I was saying before, the main thing for the troll is if you can get it to four attacks instead of the three, suddenly, so let's go four against... I'll put against the four. So even number of fights, you're winning almost 70% of the time. Put against the three attacks, you're winning 73% of the time again. Your odds go much better, and it's not going to get... You're not going to actually ever get worse than an even chance of winning. So the chance of rolling a six on the four dice is the 52%. So you're always going to have the odds in your favor if you have that four attacks. If you manage to get the five attacks, which is possible now with a spear and a banner you've basically got a 60% chance of winning at worst, no matter what you're taking on. So if you take on, say, uh, let's let's be reasonable, we'll take on three attacks with that because you've got a spear behind you, it's going to be hard for them to get all the attacks in the world, you've got an 80% chance of winning the fight. So the key is to get those big, important models above their initial attack value. So the attacks three of a troll is good, but getting the fourth and fifth attack makes a huge difference and, and helps you win that fight. So have a go at that. The other one I've been thinking about is when to use two-handed weapons. So one of the examples I've had is, say, the elves. So a two-handed weapon elf. Now you can spear support a two-handed weapon. Two-handed weapon elf, higher fight than the orcs, goes into an orc, shieldman and spearman, and the elf's got a spearman as well. So we've got two attacks each, but the person of the higher fight has a negative one die. And the other player has a two-attack dice. The elf players have only a 51% chance of winning the fight at this point. If they do not go two-handed they have a 61% chance of winning the fight. So it's a bit of a swing there. Now, if you somehow manage to turn that into two dice to one, so a banner effect nearby, you've got a 65% chance of winning. So my my thought compared to, well, we'll go to the three attacks. Three attacks is 72. That's not a huge change. So my thought is once you get to that three attacks, that's when you start thinking about the two-handed weapon. And that could be just a banner. So two models with a banner nearby, the two-handed weapon comes in handy. Now. The opposite way is, of course, to try the the uh, the orcs using the two-handed weapon. Now, in this case, you go straight two attacks each. You've got a 39% chance of winning. If you went one of them two-handed, you've got a 32% chance of winning. So your odds are getting worse quite quickly. If you get that three attacks as before, you've got a 42% chance of winning. If you left them as unmodified, you would have a 47% chance of winning. So, once again, I think that three is a magic number, and that makes sense with my argument before that the increase from one to two is the big one. Once you get to three attacks, I'm thinking the two-handed weapon becomes a real viable option, and eventually I'll do the statistics on the kills and see if it actually makes a difference, and I'll do the the probability of the combats over a long term and see if it actually has any significant swing to it, because these numbers get exaggerated quite a bit when you go multiple turns. The last thing I want to talk about here is the importance of fight value when taking down something big like a troll. So 
I know I haven't talked about Might yet, but there is opportunities now to get, say, ahead of that Cave Troll or ahead of the other ones. Let's say you really pile in. Let's say you've got, oh, I don't know, you put all your models in the world into that troll. So you've got 12 models into your troll. The troll's only got three attacks. So you've you've really going at this troll. It's 12 attacks. What's that? That's, say, six models in spear support or maybe uh, a captain with some, some other guys, another another 10 guys, is it? Yes, another 10 guys. That's possible, but it's, it's basically overcommitting into it. Now... At the moment, you've got a 55% chance of beating that troll. So, better than even odds. But the troll's still going to win almost half the time. against your. You're going in with a hero and 11 other guys. You're putting probably a third of your army into this one troll, and you're only going to win about half the time. That's a bit of a worry. If you manage to get a higher fight value, your chance of winning goes up to 95%. So, you've jumped from 55 to 95% with a successful strike. That becomes absolute value. So it's worth having a look at the spreadsheet and seeing when to throw the strike, when the difference between the fight values make a big difference. Now, let's say we do the same example with, say, a more reasonable amount of models. Let's say we've got six models to the three attacks. The jump goes from a 47% chance of winning with the six dice to an 83% chance with a successful successful strike up. So once again, well and truly worthwhile and and makes an absolute difference. So, play around with the spreadsheet. Hopefully, you've enjoyed this segment. Hopefully, you didn't fall asleep too much in there. If you've hated it, let me know. If you like it, let me know. I do plan to continue, even if it's just for my own interest, because I really want to find out all these statistics and probabilities. And, and yeah, it's just fun to do. It's not going to change how I play, really, because I'm pretty conservative in my play style, and, and I... I can do most of the calculations in my head roughly, but where I place the models is always more important than the actual statistics. So I rarely go into this situation where it's just one-on-ones and I'm hoping to the odds help me. I'm usually trying to get the odds as heavily in my favor to prevent failures because I do do end up failing a lot. Maybe it's just because I noticed that. But yeah, that, that's how we go there. So that's all for now. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.